Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Saturday afternoon taping here for Dunkton. Going to do some regrading of the West offseason now. And you guys know what this is. In general, we did the East a little bit ago. But just a a reminder of exactly what our criteria are here. Basically, based on the available resources that you had, how much did this team improve its future based on where you would have thought that it would be before the summer? So if you're the Phoenix Suns and you had the number one overall draft pick, your expectations are pretty high for improving your future. You know, if you're a team like, say, OKC last year when you're already really taxed out and actually have to cut salary, obviously that's going to be reflected in your grade that you're not going to be able to do that much. So uh, you want to get started here with the 2018 offseason regrade for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, the Mavericks are a a good one to start with because of the big decision that they made, but I'll run through the whole thing. So they drafted Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, I believe technically Spalding and Costas Antetokounmpo were draft picks as well. Then they signed DeAndre Jordan and Ryan Brokoff. They retained Dirk Nowitzki, Salah Mejri, Devin Harris. And then what they lost was their 2019 first, which ended up being the number 10 pick. That was number five. And then 2019 number 10 for Luka, Seth Curry, Doug McDermott, Nerlens Noel, Yogi Ferrell, and Kyle Collinsworth. Yeah, and of course, uh, the major component of this, we talked about it in our first team last week or last episode, I should say, they had the number five pick. They traded that and a protected 2019 first round pick was protected one through five, ended up being number 10 and Cam Reddish this year for Doncic. So it ended up being Trey Young and Cam Reddish for Doncic. I think overall the Mavs would have to be extremely happy with that transaction. I would agree, though a big part of why Luka was so much more valuable to them than Trey Young was because they already had a point guard, and the point guard they already had is now gone. But Luka fulfills a lot of that role. They can find another player with that niche if they want. They could even be Jalen Brunson, who they drafted in the second round and had a really nice rookie year. So one of the things I wanted to talk about briefly was, and this is a parallel with Portland, is that Dallas did lose some talented players who did not take a lot of money elsewhere. The Yogi Ferrell, people might remember that it looked like they had a contract done that fell apart and then Ferrell ended up in Sacramento sort of paralleling what happened with Nemanja Bialica and I think Yogi Ferrell would have helped them. Seth Curry didn't take that much, you know, was coming off of injury to go to Portland. Nerlens Noel took a minimum with with uh, OKC. Granted, Nerlens, maybe that wouldn't have been possible. And so like I gave them a slight downgrade just because those guys would have made a difference for that team, especially once J.J. Barea tore his Achilles more guard depth really would have helped them but I don't think that would have like made them a playoff team or anything like that so I gave Dallas a B plus for those who remember I was much higher on Luka than on Trey Young and I ended up keeping it a B plus I I vacillated between B plus and A minus 
but Trey having a better having a better year of it, Dennis Smith departing, and some of those other just kind of moves on the margins, letting those guys go, that did it. But Jalen Brunson having a better year, that's what nearly pushed me to an A minus. Well, I gave him a B plus initially as well. The one thing that I didn't like at the time was spending twenty two million in cap space on DeAndre Jordan. And the idea being there, okay, we we think he can be part of our long-term future, but we don't know what the market is going to look like there. And if it doesn't work out, we can keep our cap space open. Well, he wasn't a part of their long-term future. They ended up trading him in that Porzingis trade at the trade deadline. And he was terrible while he was there. I mean, you know, he provided some good alley-oop play, some good offensive rebounding, but, you know, was really just not anywhere close to the level he had been as a defensive player. Really got criticized for his defensive effort. And then this year, like, oh, well, at least they kept their flexibility open. Well, they're coming away with Seth Curry and Dalen Wright this year, right? And so what we said is, hey, they need something here. Your number one need when you've got Luka Doncic is three and D on the wing. That's to me the hardest thing to find around him because he's not capable, you know, really kind of playing the three in terms of the positional spectrum on his team in terms of size. He's not really capable of guarding that position. And so they're now it's easy to say that. You could also say, well, who were they supposed to have signed? And, you know, we had talked about maybe they could have gotten the restricted free agent route for Aaron Gordon. Who knows whether, in fact, that would have been matched. They might have tried to go like KCP or Avery Bradley, you know, not someone who is going to play the three necessarily, but at least provide some defense uh, as a one-two defender. You know, Bradley did not play well last year. KCP, I thought, had an underrated season, but, you know, did not get starter money. He took a discount off of what he made last year, this year. So maybe there would have been some way that they could have gone a, a longer-term piece. You know, maybe someone like Marcus Smart could have been a very nice fit uh, on this team if they had wanted to go uh, try to grab him uh, or a Dante Exum as a restricted free agent. Again, you know, he's really struggled with injuries, so it, it, it's tough to say that. Or uh, maybe J.J. Redick. You know, they could have gone two years for him. He might have been interested there. You got one year from the Sixers. So this is a theme for many of these teams where they, in what was a restricted 2018 market, did not go long-term money. We thought maybe some teams should have. Maybe some players didn't want to do that. But I think, you know, some of the guys we're talking about might have been interested at, at that level. But it was a pretty weak free agent class last year. I mean, maybe they could have tried to pick up, say, Derek Favors instead of DeAndre Jordan. You know, I think Favors is a better player. Also someone who maybe could have been a starting center for this team for some time. You know, he and instead he ended up going back for basically $17 million guaranteed with Utah. You know, if they'd been willing to give him two or three years at like $14 million a year. Uh, and then maybe they wouldn't have yeah. paid Dwight Powell. So that could, that could have helped too. Yeah, or, or Clint Capella, Yusuf Nurkic. They could have looked at those guys as well. But yeah, I mean, to have had all the cap space last year, use it on a one-year deal, and then not really get their primary need filled again this year. I think that's a fail. So I, I lowered them from, I mean, they did get their franchise player. I lowered them from a B-plus to a B just because I mean, neither of these two years have they really been able to address 
their primary needs uh, with their cap space. You convinced me to move down. I had thought about that, but because DeAndre was used in the Porzingis trade, I, I lowered that. But you're right that they could have gone in other directions and it wouldn't have necessarily precluded that. Also, there was just so much money in the Porzingis trade. I don't think they needed to take on Hardaway and Lee and, and give up all the picks. So there would have been other ways to do it. But let's move on to the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets drafted Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt, neither of whom really played much this past year. They retained Nikola Jokic, Will Barton, and Tory Craig, and then they signed Isaiah Thomas. They also had Thomas Walsh, but he was on a two-way. Yeah, they also brought back uh, Monte Morris off of a two-way yes, right. onto an NBA contract, which you know looks like a steal. Right, and then what they lost, they remember they gave up a lottery protected first, which ended up they ended up being far out of the lottery. So, so yeah. they just gave up their first twenty seventh so overall pick. Ultimately, overall is what that to became. Dump Kenneth Fareed and Darrell Arthur on the Brooklyn Nets, and then they also traded Wilson Chandler to the 76ers. So at the time, I gave Denver a C minus. I was very disappointed that they both paid Will Barton as much as they did because he didn't seem like the answer at small forward, and that was the most pressing issue for them. And yeah. that they, and, um, and I think that that those concerns were were borne out in absolutely. what was admittedly an injury played year for Barton, right? And especially when Denver elevated their play to a level where that became a more material concern. You know, like defending small forwards doesn't matter as much if you're like a seven seed or something, but when you're the when you're the two seed and, and trying to get into the mix, then having a player who can defend it gets gets important, especially now that LeBron and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are on elite teams in the same conference. And they didn't know that then, but it was, I mean, small forward dominates. Kevin Durant was in the conference originally. So that part of it to me looks either just as bad or you could argue worse. However, a lot of the other stuff looks better. Wilson Chandler, Fareed, and Arthur all having, generally speaking, worse years, especially Wilson Chandler, than I expected. That meant that the cost in terms of talent downgrade of of ducking the tax was less significant. They still did give it the first, but the first ended up being a worse pick because they had such a good year record-wise. And then a lot of the other ancillary stuff, I think, looked a little bit better. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas didn't do much, but Monte Morris really lived up to that. Torrey Craig, you know, I, I still don't love him, but but he had a better year than I anticipated. We had talked about Ty Wallace as being better. Torrey Craig had a better season than Ty Wallace last year. So I moved them from a C- minus to a B. And what's what's wild about it is the most, you know, like you could see it other than the Jokic signing, which also looks better because he had such a fantastic year, like getting him without a player option on that fifth year, is that we haven't seen anything from Michael Porter. And if he is awesome, then we're not going to do a regrade another year out. But that would change this too. Yeah, and you look at some of the guys uh, who were available. I mean, you're... You'd have to go down to Kevin Herter to find someone that I'd rather have than Porter, even with some of the concerns that I have uh, about his defense uh, and his health. And you know, we didn't see him in summer league this year. It's going to take until preseason probably before you really see him on the court. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Troy Bronze, Zaire Smith, Dante DiVincenzo, Lonnie Walker had a, had a pretty good summer league. Uh, but yeah, I think Porter looks like a totally solid pick in that range. Yeah, you mentioned Craig. He ended up becoming a key contributor. Wilson Chandler, for all his faults, I mean, they lost that series to Portland by the slimmest of margins. And, you know, maybe if they had him on the team, he might have made just that slight of a difference. Yeah, and that was a or, point that we made. Or they'd that, use their yeah. first round pick to improve as opposed to dumping salary. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point, right? What if they had that pick just to be used at the trade deadline to pick up someone who's actually good? Think of some of the guys who changed hands at the trade deadline, for example. So, yeah, I, I think that's one, too. Also recall that because they kind of messed up the timing of their salary dumps, that they only got the mini mid-level to use uh, instead of the full mid-level. Uh, that was, uh, you get a little bit of a demerit 
on that one on this cap focused podcast uh oh by the way really quickly this is an aside we gave you some wrong information last week on that utah thing apparently you cannot use two-way contracts to take up a roster spot and eliminate an empty roster charge i was basing that on a tweet by bobby marks Earlier, I think he'd been told that by some team personnel, and when he looked into it further, it, that turned out not to be the case. So there isn't a loophole there, which, as, as it should be, we were all really surprised to hear uh, that that was the case. So uh, we apologize for the wrong information. We'll uh, retract that. Uh, but but back to the Nuggets. Uh, I had given them a C- minus initially. Ended up moving that up to a C, particularly with the, the Craig signing, Monte Morris getting him. On, I think he's on a three-year minimum deal at this point in time it is really impressive uh, as well yeah morris is yeah it was a three-year minimum deal for him so that that looks all pretty good they didn't extend trey lyles that's fine he, he ended i don't think they're really gonna miss him they, and also worth noting too that they got jeremy grant with one of the trade exceptions that they got from those salary dumps so at least that did end up getting used at some point so the idea of not paying the tax for one year because the repeater tax is five years in the future is ridiculous. I mean, they're not, they could have easily avoided the tax this year, as it turned out, you know, Fareed, Arthur, and Chandler were all expiring contracts. Uh, and then also getting Nikola Jokic back on a five-year deal with no player options for less than the max with uh, incentives that can make it the max, you know, with the year he had looks even better. He already was a, a no-brainer max guy, but to get him below the max uh, where he's at is pretty impressive. So I, I moved them up to a C. I mean, I still... And I thought the execution of the salary dump trades was fine, uh, but just the concept that they needed to do it, I still, you know, th- there's just too much negative energy from that to go any higher than a C. Yeah, I moved it moved it up to a B. One other thing, I, I don't know that I, this factored too much into my grade, but remember Mike Malone was on the hot seat last offseason. They kept him. I think that ended up being a successful decision. I'm not super... Yeah, sure. and in fact extended him yes. shortly after the season started. So I don't know if right. that counts as offseason, but... Yeah, but and so I, I'm still not necessarily, you know, sold on Mike Malone being the coach for the next, next level, like, be, you know, being a championship-level coach, but he did a really nice job last year, and, I mean, the Nuggets had an excellent season. He was an important part of that. So that was another good decision made by the front office. Another good decision that you can make is to buy yourself a Helix Sleep mattress. Been really enjoying this road trip uh, that we've been on. We're two weeks in now. I'm actually uh, at my mom's place in good old Evanston, Illinois, as we record right now. But I still desperately miss my Helix Sleep mattress, my Helix Sleep pillow as well. That's the one downside of going on these trips. Oh, and I miss the cats too. That's, That's another one. But the cats like the Helix Sleep mattress too. The concept behind Helix Sleep is that you are a unique person. One size fits all mattresses do not work for everyone, despite what they may say. I tried one of those years ago, didn't work out. So we went to Helix Sleep, instead filled out their two-minute sleep quiz, and they created a customized mattress for us. They can even split it down the middle for you if uh, you and your partner are not as sleep compatible as my wife and I are. They have a 10-year warranty. You also get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. So there's really no downside. They've gotten a lot of nice tweets uh, from listeners uh, who have tried out Helix Sleep uh, and really enjoyed it. And if for some reason it doesn't work out for you, again, they'll pick it up for you uh, if you don't absolutely love it. The way to get started with them, Helix Sleep, H-I-L-X, helixsleep.com slash capspace, easier to slash capspace. So we talk about it constantly here. And Go to that URL and you can get up to $125 off all mattress orders. 
That's helixsleep.com slash cap space. Once again, helixsleep.com slash cap space. Get up to $125 off it, your mattress order. And don't forget that slash cap space URL to let them know that you came from us. All right, what we got next here? The Golden State Warriors, one of the aforementioned teams that did not have a lot of flexibility. They retained Kevin Durant on a one plus one, his choice, of course. They retained somehow Kevon Looney at the minimum. So even though they declined his option, they were able to, to bring him back at less than that salary. Then they used the mid-level on DeMarcus Cousins, and mid, uh, they drafted Jacob Evans and then used a minimum contract on Jarebko and eventually Alfonso McKinney. They lost JaVale McGee, Zaza Pachulia, David West due to retirement, Nick Young, and eventually Patrick Bacall. So when we, we did, yeah yeah, what did you give them initially? I initially gave them a B plus, and the reason so I, I thought Cousins was a was a, a really interesting gamble. My but my biggest criticism ended up bearing out, and I think this I think you gave them a from memory serves you gave them a lower grade, and it was on yeah. This I, I gave them a B minus, which is that they didn't devote any of their resources towards getting forward depth, which was going to be an extremely important part of it, and that ended up being even more central than we thought it was going to be due to the just cascading injuries that happen throughout the playoffs and yeah DeMarcus Cousins his subsequent injury was hard to foresee you know the quad the quad tear but not using resources there and then whiffing at least for last season but I think more broadly on the Jacob Evans pick you know that has some that has some very real consequences for this team yeah the reason I had the B minus initially was because Cousins although he was a talent wasn't a, the greatest fit in the world uh but the lack of shooting outside of the big three shooters with KD, Clay, and Steph, it really ended up dooming them uh, in the finals. You know, even if it, now, obviously, Clay getting injured, but they're substantial underdogs, even if they had won that game six, going back to Toronto for a game seven. And, you know, who knows if they for sure would have won that game six. Anyway, probably would have since they had a lead and ended up only losing it by very little. And, but if they couldn't play Draymond Green at center at all, just because they didn't have enough wings. I mean, Alfonso McKinney was uh, the best wing that they had and you know they drafted Jacob Evans thinking oh yeah well you know we we need to get someone who can contribute here right away well I mean when has that thinking ever worked of like oh we're gonna get this guy who can contribute right away to a championship team and Evans you know had a little bit better of a summer league you know we'll have to dig into that more but still not too confident on his future and he obviously contributed absolutely he was a completely dead roster spot Damian Jones was a completely dead roster spot to me, even before he got the injury, just wasn't going to contribute and finally ended up getting dumped uh, this year and they had to pay a price to do it. That's picking up his fourth year option. You can also throw into this uh, as another bad decision that they made. Uh, Looney at the minimum was great. They were perhaps lucky that his market materialized where it did. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I give them credit for wanting to have him back, but you know, after he's contributing in the rotation, yeah, getting him back for a one-year minimum was good. But you know, I don't know how much credit I can give them because that was kind of a no-brainer to bring him back at that price, and you know, it's kind of the rest of the league failing. Not that the Warriors did some awesome right. and, and, and it's not like they had a dramatically larger capacity to bring him back because because of the restriction when you decline an option so all it would have taken is one team offering him more money and looney taking that for that do so they benefited from circumstances rather than creating those circumstances. um they also kind of made it clear that they didn't want david west back and i don't know if west would have retired anyway uh, you know it's clear he didn't want to go play anywhere else but he was still pretty effective uh in 17 18 and I also think he was a really important guy in that locker room. 
And obviously some locker room fissures perhaps contributed to KD leaving. Kendrick Perkins said today, although you know I don't know how much I believe him, that you know, Golden State would have been in the driver's seat to retain him until the Draymond KD argument. You know, maybe David West could have diffused that a little earlier or, you know, whatever. But And West could have actually helped them, as it turned out, too, you know, when they were really struggling to find minutes with all the injuries. So uh, I moved them down to a C. I mean, getting Cousins was still pretty good. I mean, the mini mid-level for one year, you know, there wasn't that much out there. Who knows, though, if they'd been willing to offer that in another direction, might have been interesting, but, you know, would they have gotten, like, Tyreek Evans or something? I mean, he got a lot more money. There weren't necessarily guys who would have been an enormous help there. So, and Cousins perhaps would have helped them a lot more in the finals if he hadn't gotten injured and, you know, helped them against Houston, blah, blah, if he hadn't gotten injured early in the playoffs. So it's kind of hard to say, like, oh, that move didn't work out when, you know, him getting hurt again wasn't, I mean, guy coming off an Achilles, yeah, you, he might not be 100%, whatever, but... uh he still might have been the best that they could do there. You know, I'm not sure what the counterfactual was where they're going to get more shooting and defense uh, at that point in time. But I, I moved him down to a C because, I mean, you'd be, other than Looney, really none of their moves ended up working out. Right. I, I moved them down to a C- minus on similar logic. And two other small things. One, the anticipation was that Cousins was a one-year thing, not because of really anything other than the capacity for the Warriors to offer more salary. It turns out that non-bird rights, unless he wanted to take less to go to the Lakers, non-bird rights would have been enough had they not hard-capped themselves, but that doesn't hurt them because that was a 2019 decision rather than an 18 decision. And then the other thing was, this counts as an off-season thing, choosing McKinney over Daniel House, I think, was a mistake. And House, he's more stout Yeah, uh, although I will say this, nobody, I mean, McKinney did earn that spot. Oh, absolutely. House did not absolutely, look good. absolutely. Yeah. So, but, but in, you know, in hindsight, which we get the best benefit of for the regrades how i think house would have made a difference and retain like he could have been an important part of their wing rotation in 1920 had they been able to to keep him there so yeah again slight demerit there it's more the you know the the evans pick and you know cousins not working out perfectly but as you said it's the counterfactual here is particularly difficult the counterfactual is not as difficult for the houston rockets we spent a lot of time over the course of this season talking about houston's 2018 offseason and there's an important reason why so their retentions is a good place to start they got chris paul back for then on a four-year deal he didn't get the full five and but and I, by the way that was actually a win to keep that to only four absolutely. years at the time yeah i mean it, but now he's looking like one of the worst contracts in the league and you know you always knew it was headed that way but they actually did pretty well to get him for only four years especially considering that he gave up money by opting in to come there initially right and the Rockets also even though he ended up having a worse season than what I hoped and anticipated Clay Capella on you know basically like you know 15 16 million years is a really good contract Gerald Green still taking the minimum even though he has enough bird rights to get more than that is is still kind of weird to me and then but the biggest decisions they made they had sufficient bird rights on Trevor Reza Lucas Rod and Bob Mute both those guys left for one year contracts elsewhere and Bob Mute basically missed the whole season so they probably dodged a bullet there but Ariza you know even though he was overpaid and looked a little bit washed last year he still could have helped and then to replace those guys they signed Carmelo Anthony Michael Carter Williams James Ennis 
and then acquired DeAnthony Melton when they dumped Ryan Anderson, and then they also signed Vince Edwards and a few other guys. So I had given them a C minus because they had the the retentions and and getting Ennis and Green. You know, I well Green was a retention. Those were important, but I hated the Carmelo Anthony fit and a lot of the other signings they had, and and so that was where I went, and so I moved from a C minus to a D plus because my concerns ended up becoming even more prominent because basically Maury had to use not resources meaning picks but resources meaning cash and adjust on the fly he did a better job and Maury like that's an impressive thing to do to pivot the way that he did in season but those minimum contracts being so disastrous for the Rockets it hurt their seating a little bit and it hurt you know it it forced them to to make these in-season moves even if they ended up turning out well well and recall too that they then before the season started traded Ryan Anderson and DeAnthony Melton who you know, could end up being a a reasonable player we'll we'll see uh for Brandon Knight who didn't help them at all I mean Anderson really struggled and you know he's now has doesn't have a job and maybe he just you know would have been just as bad in Houston uh you know but he basically had eight games of playing in Phoenix before he was just totally dumped out of the rotation uh so he might have been able to help them a, a little bit especially with Anthony going so poorly they also picked up michael carter williams uh who you know that was we thought that would be a disaster it was carmelo was a disaster uh so they started 11 and 14 i think so basically these moves in addition to some regression from harden who wasn't good at the start of the year by his standards and paul and capella took a 65 win team and got him to 11 and 14 (laughs) so uh i gave him a d initially for just the off season i would now reduce that even to an f uh, and because, I mean, they just started off terribly. And yeah, Moore did a great job of recovering with the resources available. And also it helped that James Harden, like, got himself back into, like, good shape again. But yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to see this as anything other than F, given the way they started the year with the talent that they had assembled and or lost. Well, uh, I'm going to move it. You, you made a good argument, and I'm going to move it down to a D minus. But the Clint Capella contract, I think, is is enough to keep it off the F line to me. I mean, he's a talented player, and I thought his market was going to be more robust. It, and that's not quite a Kavon Looney situation where it was just nobody made him an offer. Like, I, I mean, I I think that they just he, Maury played that out pretty well. And considering how many centers were on the market, I think that worked out. And Gerald Green at the minimum another successful signing so i'm not going to go all that way but but it is it is a tough margin and then yeah you're you're right i'll move him up to an f plus you there you go and Uh, plus i mean it it wouldn't be a dunked on grade session if we didn't have an uh, assault f plus it's also worth remembering that this is not a general manager grade this is a management grade so a big part of this is as much as he wanted to claim and if you want to go back and read my piece for the athletic you can Tillman Fertitta's assertion that you know like they claim that the tax and all that kind of stuff that's what this was focused on if if he were willing to pay the tax last year for a team that came yeah they also never used their mini mid level right did did, did, did we mention that they used part of it on Hartenstein and like those type of things but oh yeah oh no, big opportunity cost having him on a two-year contract with Restricted as opposed to giving him longer. But yeah, I mean, this this could have been a materially better team, even if they would have been significantly more expensive and maybe actually, you know, been like a little bit too bloated. They they could have been that. And remember, the Rockets were not like the Bucks or some of these other teams where it was an abstraction that they would be a lot better. The Rockets could have won the NBA championship at 
2018. They were that close and could have brought back the entire team. So saving money at that point, especially when Ariza signed a one-year contract, I I don't think that's defensible. It's not Daryl Morey's fault. It doesn't sound like to me, but it is management's fault. It's ownership in, in, in this case. And that's a part of the grade. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down to a, I'm down to a D minus now. And I'm getting, I'm getting frustrated again on something that pissed me off for an entire year. Oh, I got another one for you too. They cheaped out on Jeff Bizdelic and he ended up quote unquote retiring. I'm guessing since he's coaching again this year now with the Pels after being brought back out of retirement that, uh, you know, it wasn't wanting to spend more time with his family. Uh, so they really, and their defense got much better in the second half of the year, perhaps because, you know, partly personnel based, of course, but perhaps also because Bizdelic was able to start having an effect again. So, uh, that's another one. Uh, okay. LA Clippers gave him a B initially going to move that up to an A big part of that was getting Shea Gilgis Alexander at number 11. You'll recall they actually moved up one spot to get him from the Hornets, uh, from, uh, 12 to 11 at minimal cost. They also traded Austin Rivers for Marcin Gortat. You know, they probably lost out a little bit on talent in that. Gortat was one of the worst centers in the NBA and ended up, to, he's just done now. He, he wants to retire. Uh, they got Luca Bob Mute, who didn't do anything. Mike Scott was a positive contributor and then ended up getting moved in the Tobias Harris trade. Jerome Robinson hasn't really had much of an opportunity to do much yet. Uh, drafted at number 13. I gave him a B initially, but they also worth noting that they retained Montres Harrell on a two-year, $12 million deal, which is more than I thought he would get. I thought they maybe overpaid a little bit, but I was incorrect. He was awesome last year. And uh, they did actually bring back Ty Wallace eventually uh, as a restricted free agent when he got that offer sheet from New Orleans. Uh, but I mean, really, the, the Gilgis Alexander pick and the Harrell contract uh, are what ended up making this uh, an A offseason to me. And and the last thing too, Danny, is you know, it wasn't fait accompli that DeAndre Jordan was just going to leave. You know, I think it became that way and we just assumed that. But you know, he was this franchise I kind of had been there for a long time. They had the ability to retain him. And, you know, they just kind of had a feel-good season then. You know, maybe wanting to bring them back maybe even for a year, you know, wasn't completely out of the question. Great decision to let him go. I mean, they really noticed how much he had slipped and that Harold, frankly, was better than him. And should be featured more. And so that was a great decision too. To just you know not really try to be competitive in the bidding for him. Just one quick thing. Because I had this in my notes from Houston before we move on. Oh. In the added section for them. So like I list all the all the players they brought in. The only player that is still on their team is Vincent Edwards. Who basically you know he, he basically didn't play for them last year. So anyway I wanted to note that. Because it's incredible. The Clippers they had two goals last offseason. They wanted to compete and not sacrifice flexibility in 2019. That absolutely paid off. The only two guys that they gave guaranteed money to outside of that immediate season were Harrell and Avery Bradley. Bradley had a rough year for the Clippers, but they were able to get off of get off of that guaranteed money and actually get better. That that part doesn't count, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't an onerous contract enough to to change any of that. Harrell looks like a great contract now, you know, was in the contention for six man of the year, lost it to a teammate. And it for I gave them an A minus instead of an A because there were a couple of demerits. I think Rivers for Gortat was understandable and it, it helped get them off of DeAndre Jordan, which I think was a good thing. But Austin Rivers is a better player than Gortat. And I don't love the Jerome Robinson. 
Robinson pick. It's not catastrophic or anything like that, but I, I'm just not a huge fan of his game. Could end up proving me wrong. I'd, I'd love for him to do that, but I don't I don't really see it yet. And Mbamute, the process was right. The, it just He just didn't play. He played 61 minutes all year. That's that's unfortunate. So I understand you giving in nay. I, I did, downgraded it just a little bit. And and also Avery Bradley, like they he he was awful for them. He was better for Memphis, and some of that might have just been you know like just just regression to the mean because he was missing a bunch of shots that usually go in. So, but it's hard to argue that you know with the benefit of hindsight that it could have gone that much better for them because creating you know even though Shea's gone now, he had a great year. They created value with the with picking him, and remember they moved up to grab Shea. They yeah Charlotte, yeah I, mean, I mentioned that at minimal cost from twelve to yeah, eleven yeah exactly. And so yeah, it worked out really well. Also, you know, signing Mike Scott, he ended up being a part of the Tobias Harris trade, all that kind of stuff. So it it worked out. I think it worked out really well for them. And yeah, I mean, an, an, an impressive offseason. I'm, I'm not giving it the full A, but sure, absolutely an A minus. The Lakers, this is one that we disagreed on and you, I think, look better in retrospect. I gave him a B just because, you know, you got LeBron James I and mean, you got it like they still managed to recruit him and not screwed up with him. And they also retained KCP at a, a number that I thought was decent, uh, one year, $12 million. Um, But I mean, just ultimately the fact that they didn't make the playoffs uh, has got to sink them now. I, mo- I moved them way down, but what was your thinking at the time and where do you end up with them now? So at the time, I gave them a C-. And it it basically yeah, and we argued about that. I was like, dude, like they got LeBron James, like you can't give him a C minus. But uh, well, <laughs> barely you get. Yeah, I I, I like that. I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read this this sentence that I wrote because I write these as full. I write these as full like things. I should probably release them at some point. I wrote Rondo has serious disaster potential in a few different ways. Lance makes little sense, and Michael Beasley is a poor fit at a reasonable price. And all of those ended up being problems. I didn't like the Movager pick. I mean, they ended up basically. I mean, they dumped him for a different reason but they ended up dumping him yeah i, I mean he was he, we'll put it this way he was negative value yes uh i liked Svi, and then Svi was gone because they traded him for reggie bullock and um isaac bonga i still don't really have a good feel for him i didn't then and so i really like the lakers do not the lakers do not have to worry about lebron leaving this year if it goes poorly but it was it was such a bizarre use of resources and then this is the big reason why i gave them a c minus is and why that grade is now lower is lebron is now 34 years old they don't have that many shots at this even if lebron is a cyborg and getting it that wrong made it so that it, it, it really put the onus on it. And, and, you know, you never, and LeBron missed a bunch of the year with, with that, with the groin issue. And maybe that, the, you know, it, I don't think that would have made, like, they weren't a title team either way. So, like, it would have made a difference. They probably would have made the playoffs. But it, it's amazing to, if you take, and they get credit for signing LeBron and attracting him and all that kind of stuff. But if damn near everything else you do is, like, spectacularly wrong, like, that's a bad offseason. Just look at the in and out. Lost Brooke Lopez, Julius Randle, and then they brought in, you know, Rondo and and Well no, let's add in they waved Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant, who was a capable player and could have been a part of the rotation. Yeah, Thomas I mean he Thomas Bryant as a backup center, you remember at the very beginning of the year before they had to get Tyson Chandler, you know, Thomas Bryant could help them. Um yeah, I mean Lopez in particular was just so obviously a great fit next to LeBron and now I do think he was underutilized in Luke Walton's system and he wasn't closing games the year before but he did want to stay and he was never never given any kind of an offer and they had they couldn't have retained his full bird rights but you know they could have spent money on someone other than Rondo and Stevenson and Beasley I mean that's really the you know the KCP wasn't bad but just they punted completely like you know what is that 18 million dollars essentially um also there this is worth noting too that they're like oh well 
we got to get a second star in here so we can't do more than one-year deals well you never got the second star who knows what they if they'd been willing to go on some longer term deals you know what if they could have gotten in for jj reddick again you know, would have been a, a great fit with this group or, or just uh, some guys who would have fit a, a little bit better or gotten out of the trade market or also yeah. they ended up acquiring that second star via trade so if they had created positive value maybe they wouldn't have to trade all of their young guys to get anthony davis yeah, that's a possibility as well. And, you know, maybe be, with New Orleans coming off that second round appearance, getting AD maybe wasn't as realistic at that point as it later became. Uh, so I gave him a B initially, and uh, I lowered them to a... That's, I, I lowered uh, that's, to a, a that's LeBron for D-. minus. <laughs> okay, I, I lowered them to a D. And remember, this also <laughs> doesn't include the Zubats trade, which to me was the worst move that they made during the year, but that wasn't in the offseason. Yeah, or, or, or maybe the dumbest move. Yeah. The le- if not the worst The least move. defensible. That's the phrase I used a lot this year. It was To me, the Zubats trade was the least defensible move any team made over the 2018-19 league year. Not the worst, just the least defensible. So much more defensible would be ordering from Postmates. You need a breakfast burrito? At 8 a.m., eh, maybe more like 10 a.m. Uh, on my schedule. You want some sushi for dinner? Maybe you need a little ibuprofen after you ordered some wine from Postmates the, the night before? Just go ahead and Postmate it. I used to call it Postmatesing. It actually, I've been using them for over five years now. It's your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, basically any store you can get a Postmate to deliver from. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. They can deliver within the hour. The largest on-demand network in the U.S. And they offer delivery from every type of retailer you could possibly need. You can download their app for Apple or Android. Browse local restaurants and businesses. uh, Tracking your delivery is kind of fun, too. They even have a little icon for the type of vehicle that your Postmate is using. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving listeners $100 of free delivery credit. So they normally charge a delivery fee. You can get $100 worth of discounts over your first week on those delivery fees. When you use our familiar code, CAPSPACE, easy to remember, all one word there, CAPSPACE. Talk about all the time here on the program. That's code CAPSPACE, $100 of free delivery credit in your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, just Postmate it. And don't forget that cap space code to let them know that you came from us. The Grizzlies were an interesting one. I'd given them a C minus initially. As it turns out, very little of what they did ended up mattering for their future, other than the drafting of Jaron Jackson Jr. at number four. Uh, And while I liked less of the stuff they did uh, around the margins, I didn't like that they retained J.B. Bickerstaff. All that ended up not mattering, and, and Jackson was a really good pick. I think they got... The third best guy. And it, you know, it wasn't a no-brainer to pick him there. Well, I mean, he, he Jackson was yeah. a really good pick, except that you said he was the number three guy. He went over the guy that you have at number two. Yeah, I mean that that is a good point. And you know, we'll see. I mean, Jaron could very easily end up better than Trey. He could end up better than Dodgers too. I mean, I'm not uh, foreclosing on that uh, right now. And you know, I think he's kind of been forgotten about just due to his uh, quad issue that he had. But yeah, I mean, that is a good point. That you know, why I wouldn't move them up higher is because. They were kind of deluding themselves and not making a move for Mike with Mike Conley and perhaps Gasol. So I mean, Mark Gasol, when you consider what they ended up getting for him, they got a guy on you know it was probably a negative contract at Valanciunas and Wright, who they just let leave in restricted free agency this year, in part because they got John Morant. But uh, so they got nothing basically for Mark Gasol. Uh, you know, if, if they'd been willing to move him, if they'd been willing to move Conley this offseason, 
Uh, they also made a bunch of front office changes this year. And that new front office is actually doing pretty well. But those are guys who are already in-house. You know, if they felt like they needed to make those moves, like why not do them at, at this point in time? And, and the retaining of picture stuff, he actually was pretty good. I thought like better than expected. I thought he was going to be bad. And he actually did a pretty decent job. But then he got fired anyway. Uh, so, you know, there wasn't much direction in this offseason. But it ended up not really hurting them that much. And, you know, they the problem of potentially winning too many games was obviated by the fact that they actually moved up in the draft and you know that the problem of winning too many games is not as severe as it used to be with the flattened lottery odds so i'd given them a c minus initially i moved them up to a b minus um you know maybe they could have gotten trey but now they got john morant too so i mean you know granted they couldn't have known that at the time but i, mean, I think they, they got a pretty good guy at number four uh, and you know they could have messed done the sam hinky mess with the hawks and draft trey young and then try to you know, extract some value uh, from the Hawks there, you know, and really, you know, but maybe that was getting too cute. They had their guy in Jackson and he looks like a keeper. So uh, I, I moved him up to a B minus from a C minus. That's interesting because I moved them down. Not much. I went from a C minus to a D plus. And yeah. Kyle Anderson doesn't look too good. And that's, that's a big part of the reason yeah. why. They gave Kyle Anderson four years, 37 million. And yeah, he was more hurt than we could have anticipated. Yeah. But Kyle Anderson had a you know the, a heartwarming year for the Spurs when they played without Kawhi. But there were so many wings that got underpaid on that market. And he just they, they just gave him so much more money. And even if he had been healthy, yeah. he wasn't significantly. Well, and the idea of you know he's a four and they brought him in to play the three which really just didn't make any sense that's a problem and i don't give memphis credit for ending up with their point guard of the future because they were very close to not like you know if they if they hadn't jumped up in the lottery that would not have been the case and you know i mean granted maybe darius garland ends up being the answer there i like trey young better than jaron so they didn't take the best player on my board it's not a huge demerit because i really like jaron jackson yeah you you like jaron better at the time didn't you than Trey? Yeah. Yes, I did. But now I don't. So, yeah, th- that that factors in. Uh, I, I did. They also did a weird thing where they gave up a second round pick to get Garrett Temple. That this does not. I thought that was a good trade at the time, actually. I, I just thought it was. I, I thought it didn't move the needle. Well, because they traded that. a guy with dead salary too. Yeah, and they McElmore traded McElmore and Deontay Davis for him. And but I didn't think Garrett Temple was going to move the needle enough for them. And I thought Memphis's second round picks could be valuable. I do think that twenty twenty one second was going to look pretty good. And it, it so on the on the Gasol part, I think waiting to trade him was a mistake. And with Conley, we couldn't have known this at the time but i actually think they got a better return because of what happened in utah than they would have had they traded him in 2018 because remember he was coming off of basically missing that whole season yeah oh that's right too yeah so maybe that you do make a good point there that maybe there just wasn't the value there yeah i, I um, think i think with conley it ended up working out with gasol it did not um but you know so this when a team doesn't do that much it like we i have a d plus and you have a b minus there isn't really that much of a margin between those two because they just didn't do that much but i just the kyle anderson thing you know four years for him that's a lot so i just it, it tilted it down a little bit they hired a coach that they already fired and even though he did a better job than they anticipated all that kind of stuff so not a big thing i think we can i think we can well, well so, so is part of that to your that they you think they should have taken trey instead yes, of Dante? absolutely yeah Oh. Yeah, and, and or, 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 sorry, instead of uh, instead Jackson. of Jaron, and even though it ended up working out for them, I don't give them the benefit there because it wasn't like they were so bad that getting to a top two pick was a likelihood. They they were they were fortunate, and if they had gotten the sixth pick, then they would have Jaron Jackson, and they wouldn't have an answer at point guard, and that would be bad. So let's let's jump to Minnesota though. The Wolves, another exceedingly quiet offseason. They drafted Josh Okogie and Kade Bates' job. They signed Anthony.
Anthony Tolliver and retained Derrick Rose, and then they lost Bielitsa, Jamal Crawford, and Cole Aldrich. At the time, I gave them a B minus because ducking the tax, you know, they didn't they didn't go super aggressive with everything. That made sense because they just weren't that good. But in hindsight, why I lowered them to a C minus and actually could have gone even lower is that the biggest mistake Thibodeau made was something that we didn't know at the time, which was that Jimmy Butler had already requested a trade. And even though they ended up getting Covington, who I love, and getting a future second, and Dario Saric, who they've now since traded, I think they could have gotten a better return for Butler had they traded him in the 2018 offseason. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. When it wasn't under duress, he wasn't as distressed of an asset. And, and you know, we, there's no way to know this now, but I mean, it's possible they could. I mean, I guess the playoffs ended up being 48 wins, so it probably wasn't realistic for them to get there. Uh, but I mean, they certainly torpedoed their season initially by trying to keep Butler around. Um, they also extended Carl Anthony Towns. I thought getting a fifth year for him with no player option was big. Uh, and, and then that he ended up not making all NBA, so he's actually on a relative bargain of a contract uh so they deserve credit there but yeah i mean just putting their head in the sand and not listening to that butler trade request was uh definitely a bummer i mean they also even maybe could have tried to find a way to open up the cap space to renegotiate and extend him which is what he wanted that probably wasn't realistic uh especially with their terrible decision to max out andrew wiggins the previous offseason uh so i moved it down from a c to a d minus also i thought that Losing Nemanja Bialica, who they had restricted free agent rights on, it wasn't great. I mean, no, nobody that they brought in was as good as he would have been. Bringing Derek Rose back actually worked out pretty well. You know, he he contributed pretty positively. And uh, Jerry's still out on Akogi and Keita Bates' job. Uh, Bates' job, considering his age and the fact that he hasn't contributed at all, probably looking like a, it's not going to work out there. You know, I think he's 24 already. But uh, Okogi certainly has some skills uh, defensively and energy-wise. He's really impressed. He's just going to need to develop the jump shot. But, you know, that's uh, at 20, I think that looks like, you know, a fine pick uh, in that range. But, I mean, just totally blowing it with Butler. That's why I give him the, the D minus. I mean, that was, uh, to me, was pretty inexcusable. The Pels are really a tough one. Uh, I gave him a B initially. They... This is what a team that was really limited. They basically had the BAE, the MLE, and you know not that many guys that they really wanted to retain. They brought back Ian Clark, who, who didn't contribute at all this year. They lost to Marcus. I think given the fact that he wouldn't wasn't able to come back until January, that made a lot of sense. Losing Rondo to me didn't matter at all. Um, and I thought Randall. I mean, he did for the price they paid for him. He did everything he was supposed to. Now, one thing we noted was, what the hell are you going to do next summer? You're not going to have the means to retain him. Ultimately, they actually would have with the cap space they had in AD leaving. But, uh, you know, I don't really put the fact that AD left and their season kind of went off the rails on the moves that they made. I mean, with the available resources, Peyton and Randall were pretty good. Uh, you know, neither of those guys uh, uh, am I amazed by. And now they're both New York Knicks, uh, which gives you some pause in evaluating them. But, yeah, it really, it was the lack of depth uh, that ended up killing them with some of the injuries. Etron Moore, Miritich, uh, Peyton... Uh, going down as well where they're just playing these uh replacement level of guys uh, but i don't know that they really at on this offseason had a way to uh, have any kind of prophylactic for the level of injuries that they experienced so you know i gave them a b initially i ended up moving them down to a c but you know this is one where 
what else would you have had him do really uh, tough to say? There's a parallel between the Pelicans and the Warriors. And so I moved the Pelicans down from a B minus to a C minus. And it's that, and identified at the time was that the biggest flaw was that they had a lack of, the term I use there is swingmen, so like twos and threes. But it would have been hard for the Pelicans to solve those problems because there weren't a ton of players available and they had very limited resources. You know, they didn't ha- the Pelicans didn't have their first round pick as you talked about the salary limitations that they had. And Julius Randle is a better player, presumably, than the guys that were available. And I don't understand, you know, you never know with, let's say, like a James Ennis, who ended up taking the minimum with the Rockets on a one plus one. If the Pelicans, who could offer more playing time, had had made a similar offer, would he have taken it? All those sorts of things. It's always hard to know those those circumstances. But having, even if it would have been for the minimum, Kendrick Williams helped, helped, and I, I was, I was, that was good that they found him uh, as an undrafted player. But it would, that, that, I don't think that would have, like, made them make the playoffs or anything like that. And it's not the reason Anthony Davis left but it is amazing how many how many teams made kind of made the same mistake just because identifying positional scarcity but in the pelicans case it's a lot more justified because they needed another big and they needed another ball handler so it wasn't just the obvious like doubling up when you needed when you needed to spread it out so yeah it's a c minus it didn't work out super well but it's not you know it, it wasn't the reason that everything that happened happened the thunder i gave him a b initially they brought back Paul George on a three plus one. They traded Carmelo Anthony and a 2022 lottery protected first rounder that then became two seconds after one year, which is a pretty decent terms there uh, for Dennis Schroeder. Nerlens Noel at the minimum, that was a, a pretty good signing. Uh, Hamadou Diallo, uh, who they picked up uh, in the mid 40s uh, in a trade. It was pretty decent. They also brought back Jeremy Grant on what ended up being a, a positive value contract. They actually traded him for a first round pick. You know, it was uh, a three year, $27 million deal, as I recall, for Grant. And then they also brought back Raymond Felton uh, on a, another one year minimum. I give them a B initially, uh, saying getting George back was great, but that was kind of a no brainer decision. You know, and. Grant seemed like it might be an overplay. He shot better from three. You know, he, he again was viewed as good enough to get a first round pick on that contract. So they obviously did a good job uh, with that uh, in that trade for the Nuggets this year. So I guess the big question here is the Schroeder Mellow trade. How does that look in hindsight to you? I think it looks significantly worse because Schroeder didn't. Yeah, he he sucked. He didn't do the things that they acquired him to do. He he was not good enough to run the offense, so that Billy Donovan had to stagger Russ and Paul George. Like it, it that you bring in a guy and he's making fifteen and a half million dollars a year, and that's the point you bring him in. He cannot do that. He was not a part of their best five, though. He did often close games for them because they didn't have a ton of other options, especially when Robertson was hurt for the whole year. Diallo got hurt at different moments in time and they didn't fully trust Terrence Ferguson. So I think that's a pretty big negative. And I mean, I talked about this. Dennis Schroeder is paid more from this point on than Carmelo Anthony made last year. So it wasn't a salary dump entirely. If it had been a salary dump, then I would have given up the first round pick. It would have been okay considering their massive luxury tax bill. But a lot of the other stuff did work out better. And remember that, and this is not, you know, again, this is kind of like the Kevin Durant thing where if you have a star, you offer them whatever contract they're willing to take. Paul George getting a three plus one ended up being, a, even though he's gone now, ended up being a godsend for the Thunder because that's what allowed them to get that haul of trading for him. If he had signed a one plus one, he'd just be gone. And that, but, but Presti doesn't get a lot of credit for that because you just say, what 
contract do you want to sign Paul George and he signs that contract but they got Nerlens Noel the Jeremy Grant contract which I did not like looks a lot better now and you know the dice rolls on TLC and Nader TLC's already gone Nader is back I, I'm still pretty ambivalent on him but I like the Diallo pick so I actually moved them down from a B minus to a C plus but it's only because Dennis Schroeder didn't work out I think a lot of the other stuff did pretty well yeah I mean and I was low on that already um and you know bringing back Paul George was a, a big part of it and hey even though he wanted to leave after a year they got this unprecedented haul because they had him and obviously they don't do that if they're unable to retain him um and you know they did at least convince him to stay you know this this is also kind of one of those ones where I think if you convince a guy to stay that might factor more heavily in your offseason grade as a positive than you know you get LeBron to come to the Lakers just because they're the Lakers you know you're kind of a I mean, you have to make sure that the space is open for the guy, you know, and that's that's part of your offseason too. But, you know, you're, the fact that they actually successfully indoctrinated George into their culture and made him want to stay, you know, I think that's, that was part of this grade. So I moved him down to a C. I mean, I, I think it is interesting to note that had they just stretched Mello, it would have been about $9 million a year. They actually would be, like, just barely out of the tax right now as opposed to still being $6 million over and basically, you know, I'm sure they're going to have to find a way to to get out of that or they could have given up an asset in like 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 they did and just gotten rid of him i mean there was enough space around the league where maybe maybe you don't lose the whole salary but you cut like 15 million off or something like that remember they took on shooters 15 five yeah yeah i mean yeah they only dropped 12 million dollars of that salary so yeah and they could have maybe uh you know taken back someone who was kind of viewed as dead salary but ended earlier as well um you know, and who knows? I mean, Schroeder did contribute to some degree. You know, I guess he was a little better than Raymond Felton was. But, you know, they lost in the first round. And then Paul George and Russell Westbrook ended up leaving. And in part, that's because they couldn't bring in enough reinforcements. And also, they didn't use the mini mid-level at all. You know, again, if they had not made the Schroeder trade, maybe they could have used that uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, I moved it down from a B to a C. Let's go to the Suns. Oh, boy. If you're going to just grade the pick of DeAndre Ayton, as the number one overall pick, what would your grade just for that selection be? Like a D minus? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's right in there, right? It just, I mean, there's at least three guys to me that I obviously would have taken then over him. Uh, and, you know, I think it, that's about where it looks right now. And yeah, you know, points and rebounds, that's great. Uh, but the defense was as bad as advertised. And But, you know, I mean, it's not like he's going to be a terrible player. But just, I mean, man, the, as good as the guys looked uh, above him, it, it just doesn't look good. And then, I mean, you look at the process beyond that too, where either it was McDonough making the pick and then he got fired before the regular season even started. So you're letting a guy that you have so little confidence in that he could do something before the regular season started to get fired, which I guess was not getting a point guard. Or, you know, again, this is an entire organization. Great. You just listen to the owner who wanted him because he went to U of A. Right. And I'm happy you brought up the McDonough Jones thing early because that ended up like that decision hadn't happened when we did our grades before. And I had given them a C straight C is bringing Jones in that late ended up negating a lot of this offseason because Elliot Kobo, who they drafted pretty high in the second round, it seems like he's on the outs. They've already basically replaced him in the yeah. rotation. Number 31 pick. Usually that's a I mean, and he got drafted over some guys. You know, like like Brunson, for example, who you know probably could actually help them last year. Right, uh, Rashawn Holmes, who they moved a little bit to they they did the 
They gave up a second and then swapped Jared Dudley for Drell Arthur, who they summarily cut. They did that to get Rashawn Holmes. He's gone. They replaced him. I guess you could say they replaced him with either Aaron Baines or Frank Kaminsky, depending on how you see things. And then, so a lot of those things are gone. And then the bigger pieces are, are and then they, they made the Trevor Reza trade basically as soon as they could. Now, the Trevor Reza signing worked out better for the Suns than I anticipated because they got long-term value out of it. They ended up trading Trevor Reza for Kelly Oubre. So that actually worked out pretty well. That is not as big of a demand as I expected it to be and was on their books when we did the grades before. But they also remember they, they drafted Aiden over all those guys. They also gave up that Miami 2021 unprotected first round pick to move up from 16 to 10. It wasn't like they gave up that pick to get a first rounder. They, they moved up six spots to get Mikhail Bridges. I thought Mikhail Bridges had a pretty good year, but that's a lot to give up for that sort of yeah. move. And we've seen in other contexts what the value of that pick has been. It's now been involved in two trades for a premium player. Right. And another important move, well, there, so there are two others that we should talk about. One is the, which hadn't happened when we did this, that is the uh, the Chris Knight for Ryan Anderson and Melton trade. I think that was good for the Suns because they got Melton and he was like yeah. an actual piece of long-term value. They ended up moving Melton in the weird double challenge trade this summer. Yeah, And they also got Anderson to reduce his, his guarantee. guarantee. Yeah, which made trade. it a financially a, a financially smart move for them. Then the other one, which we, which was a huge deal at, at that moment in time and considered Considering what ended up happening with the Suns 2019 summer is that they gave Devin Booker that full max extension. He had a better he had a better year and he would have gotten a max offer sheet. Like I think that's pretty clear. But they vaporized a ton of cap space there. And considering the sacrifices that the Suns made to dump just even a small amount of cap space this summer, I I think that the overall decision to wait would have been better, even if Booker would have gotten that max offer sheet, which I have no doubt that he would. Yeah, I agree with you uh, on Booker. And, you know, moving on from McDonough, who certainly had his issues, and, you know, maybe you could just say that some of those issues were being unable to manage Robert Sarver. But, I mean, James Jones is looking like maybe the worst head basketball decision maker in the NBA right now. And I don't know that I quite would have put McDonough on that level. But, you know, and again, how big of Sarver's role in all this is, is always an open question from decision to decision. But that doesn't look great. And then, Part of why I actually gave them a D initially rather than lower was I liked the Kakashkov hire. And now he's, you know, again, another one of those ones who I guess he was a McDonough hire and then you know, he got fired and uh, they brought in Monty Williams who, you know, on a pretty big deal. I think a lot of people would say Williams is an upgrade over Kakashkov. We shall see. You know, Williams got fired in New Orleans for a reason. And while he, he is a great man, you know, there's not really much you can point to as, you know, things that he has done strategically that are the hallmarks of, you know, a Monty Williams team or, or a coaching job. So, you know, I think he'll bring an important level of stability to the organization for sure. But we'll see, you know, especially defensively, whether he can help improve them. He's obviously, you know, he's been in San Antonio. He's been in, in Philly since then. So, uh, you know, it's very possible that he could have improved as a coach uh, as well this year. So I moved him down from a D to a D minus. Uh, yeah, the, that's about it. Uh, the Blazers, I am a B minus initially. I'm moving that up to a B plus. The things that really were good. Anthony Simons at number 24. Obviously didn't play much last year. Looked pretty good in summer league. Looking like a guy who has some potential as a score. Seth Curry uh, on a one-year deal, a little over $3 million, was outstanding value. Great Gary Trent Jr. in the second round. You know, Jerry's still out of, on him, but no, not willing to give up, and he's still pretty young. Uh, they also brought in Nick Skouskis on a guaranteed deal, which made absolutely no sense, and he ended up 
after that first game against the Lakers basically did nothing for them. But then I thought the use of Nurkic contra- contract, Danny, despite what ended up happening with the broken leg, uh, you know, that's something that you couldn't have known in the, the offseason. I mean, that looks like great value, though. Absolutely. And Olshay, for, he's done this a few different times, and I have my misgivings with him as a general manager, but he has really bet on his own ability to find new bench guys. And remember, like, th- they lost Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, Pat Connaughton, all of which to, to not particularly lucrative contracts. You know, like, Davis got the, the room mid-level, and all the other guys got the minimum. And I was, you know, wondering whether they were going to be able to recoup that Seth Curry had a great year Nick Stauskas did not and I think that worked out but the Nurkic signing the the new contract is the most important of those I thought that looks really really good and yes it's true that Terry Stott's system allows for differently skilled centers like you know you can use more limited guys and they can be successful but Nurkic did a really nice job defensively and then he has he has talent offensively so I think that worked out really well for them and they did give up two seconds to get Gary Trent Jr. I don't feel great about that now because I, I just don't have a, a you know like when I saw him in summer league I'm still still not completely sold and my biggest criticism of the Blazers offseason other than the just whether they could recoup that which they absolutely did is that it was just another year where Neil O'Shea didn't value forwards and I do think that ended up having a real effect because when they played against the Warriors they didn't have the horses to go out even a limited Warriors team with Kevin Durant out and so I, I upgraded them from a C minus to a B but I do want to mention that because I mean I'm going to mention it again when we grade their offseason for 2019 because as great as as great as Damon CJR and all this other talent it is such a strange thing that O'Shea will not use resources at that spot when it's pretty well established how important it is in terms of successful NBA teams yeah uh, the only reason I I didn't go higher than the B plus was that just letting Connaughton and Napier go when they could have retained them at extremely reasonable prices just well, made no Connaughton sense to me was a restricted free agent yeah, with a really low qualifying offer. Right. I mean, they, it would have cost them like, you know, $1.7 million or something to bring him back if he had signed his qualifying offer. And, and he ended up, and it's not like his price was that high because when they did end up just letting him go, he signed a, you know, a, a two minus one. So at the, at the minimum. The Kings, I gave him an F initially, mostly because of going with Marvin Bagley at number two. I liked him even less than Aiton. Moved it up to a D though, because I think he actually looks better than expected uh and that that's about it i mean that's really that's really the sole reason why i'm moving them up from uh an f to a d i don't other than bielitsa who looked pretty good but then ended up they traded for barnes uh you know bielitsa was important for them to be sure but you know i think most of their players that got them to a better than expected season were just guys they had retained and not retained in terms of like resetting them. They're just already on the team. Right. And Sacramento, one of the other important decisions they made that we couldn't properly evaluate then. So I give them an F plus and incomplete because they retained so much of their cap space and they were the only team that really did that. And the main thing Vlade gained from that cap space was Harrison Barnes. And there are some parallels with Barnes and Otto Porter where I don't particularly like the player plus the contract, but it's also reasonable to argue that the player plus the contract is probably better than they would have done with cap space again. So I, that's a part of why, so I moved them up from an F plus to a D minus because, you know, Bar- there's an argument that they could have done worse than Harrison Barnes. I still hate the Marvin Bagley pick. You know, he, he's better than I expected, but Luca and Trey are also better than I expected. And Luca in particular, I think that him and, and Fox would have worked. I think that would have worked well. And even if it didn't, that's a good problem to have because they're both really talented players and you can trade one of them, all 
those sorts of things. And with Bagley, I still don't know exactly what his position is. I liked the Garrett Temple trade from Sacramento's perspective because they they got that second round pick out of it from Memphis, the 2021 second. I think that'll be a valuable pick. And Davis and Ben McMore didn't matter to them, but they weren't a playoff team anyway. It was fine. And, you know, cutting bait on Bruno Caboclo actually does kind of matter because he's now looking like an NBA player. But yeah, so I, I moved them down to a to a D minus and it is an interesting question. Wait, where were you before? F plus. Oh, so you so moved, moved them up, up to a D minus. Yeah, moved them up. Yeah, yes. it's still strange to say soaring to, a, soaring to new soaring heights. to new heights. And like, so I, I got in, I, I started getting myself wrapped up in knots because yeah, they could like if I would have rather had them use some of their space on somebody like Thaddeus Young in 2019 rather than Harrison Barnes and and that cap space that they used in in 2018 that they kept free. There were a lot of value contracts. Maybe they could have done better with that. And so I actually like it's a D minus. I actually like there's an argument for me that there's more negative weight on that that they because the opportunity. Even if they would have had to overpay, because remember, one of the other guys that they tried to go after was Zach Levine. And while that contract looks better now than it did then, I still don't like it. Yeah, they had a lot of twos uh, available as well. Another reason that I was not pleased with the Bagley pick was that it took them out of the running for some of the more interesting restricted free agents, say like an Aaron Gordon. You know, I mean, I I would much rather have Aaron Gordon at the price that they are now paying Harrison Barnes, for example. Uh, you know, maybe Jabari is someone that they could have looked at too, but he, you know, he didn't work out. That's what we were saying at the time uh, that they maybe could have taken a flyer on, or as you mentioned, they could have tried to get some guys on value longer term deals. But I, you know, I did move him up to a D because Bagley looks better than expected. I mean, he looks like he's at least going to be a, a quality player, and uh, the Bealista move helped them to get into the playoffs as well. The Spurs, you'll recall the Kawhi Leonard trade, netting them Demar Derozan, Jakub Pertl. And Toronto's 2019 first, which ended up becoming Keldon Johnson, is number 29 overall. Uh, they also had to give up Danny Green, of course, in that trade. Um, that was the main basis for me of giving them a D minus. I just didn't care for the concept of that trade. It looks a little better now because at least they quote unquote stayed relevant by making the playoffs this year, which was no guarantee that they would do that. Uh, so I moved them up a little bit, but I still especially to just throw Danny Green into that trade too when the idea was staying relevant. Uh, you know, I really just didn't care for that. I moved, so I don't think any team's offseason analysis for me changed less than the Spurs. The, my feel for the Kawhi Leonard trade didn't, you know, other people's might have changed, but mine really didn't. I, DeMar DeRozan is, even even with guys being out like DeJounte, he was not a part of the Spurs' best five, and that's pretty damn bad for a guy who was the centerpiece of the trade. Jakob Pertl, I still like him, but he's not a huge piece of that. And then Keldon, we'll see where it goes from there. You know, not a, not a great asset in terms of a late pick in the draft because Toronto had such a good year and one that ended up winning the championship. Yeah, I mean, one, one thing that's interesting, Danny, is just to think of like, all right, let's say they had retained Danny Danny Green and trade Kawhi for, you know, someone else that was younger. You know, let's say they'd gone like the Jalen Braun route. You know, that could have been where they tried to go. Uh, you know, Philly probably couldn't, you know, that would have just been totally future-focused assets. But, you know, maybe they don't quite make the playoffs, but, you know, I'm not sure that DeRozan really helped them that much especially when you look at 
how bad of a fit he was on defense, well, and how they and, had guys like Derek White really stepped up. You know, like yeah. that they had they had opportunities for twos that they don't really have as much on them. Well, they have forwards now, but yeah. But so I want to go through some of the other things they did. You and I both trashed the Marco Bellinelli signing, and we had all of these people just like, "Oh man, you're underrated, Marco Bellinelli." Nope, we were right. We were right on him. Bryn Forbes contract was was fine. It is fine now. Two years, fourteen million for Davis Bertans. I was on board with that. They ended up moving him for a trade exception in the ill-fated Damari Carroll, Marcus Morris stuff, but that contract was totally fine. So, and and Rudy Gay, that was a free money thing. They had the they had the rights to retain him without going into the lecture tax. I liked that signing. It worked out reasonably well for them, and then they ended up retaining him after that. So I moved them from a D to a D minus just because the DeRozan part of that trade is just still so frustrating to me, but it's basically the same offseason that I thought it was. Well, your friends will not be saying that you're the same as they thought you were if you give Stitch Fix a try. However you dress, Stitch Fix has the expert personal stylist that can help you look your best. The way it works is you answer some questions about your preferred style, sizing, etc., and your personal shopper will ship you a box of clothes, shoes, and accessories they did a great job working with me because uh, as a taller guy, there are certain things that are going to work for me, certain things that weren't. So uh, we were able to work through that process together. The customer service uh, was outstanding as they tried to find some stuff that worked for me, both from a fit and a style standpoint. So once you answer those questions, they'll ship you a box of clothes, shoes, and accessories. No commitment required. You only pay for what you keep. And the shipping exchanges and returns are, are always free. Their $20 styling fee is automatically applied towards anything that you keep from your box. And you never have to think about looking good again with Stitch Fix. If you're someone who doesn't necessarily have a ton of ideas when it comes to style or you just, it was never something that you thought was that important. That's really the best person to try Stitch Fix and see whether they can get you some stuff that you really like that you don't actually have to put a ton of thought into yourself you don't have to go to the store you don't have to try a bunch of stuff on and if you don't like what they send you send it back and uh you can fill out a couple of short questions about what you like and they'll give you a shot again to send you some more stuff the way to get started with them is stitchfix.com slash cap space you can get an extra 25 percent off when you keep everything that they send you in your box that's stitchfix.com s-t-i-t-c-h stitchfix.com slash cap space don't get that slash cap space url to let them know that you came from us so the utah jazz this is this might be the one that changed the least uh for me danny because well, so i gave them i think this is the only team that i've given the exact same grade to I, I actually did change my grade but we'll let's run through it briefly so they drafted grayson allen they retained favors exum neto niang and lost drebko and so what i wrote before, during the offseason grades was that there were three big things to talk about Derek favors contract the exum contract and not using the mid-level i wrote at least for now but they ended up not using it and the favors contract looked really good i mean they ended up you know getting value for him last year and then they traded him and they did get those the little piddling seconds from new orleans that are actually the warriors seconds i think the exum contract is is more negative than i anticipated even though it's again because he can't stay healthy he's not like an i, I still i'm still intrigued by his potential and then not using the mid-level there was the argument that utah had such a deep rotation that they didn't really need anybody else but remember kyle getting kyle corver which they ended up they they did during the season ended up being really important so i think adding some depth could have been useful like b elites in particular I think could have really helped them out and maybe set the table that with everything that happened with. Yeah. Now, now Bielisa, of course, wanted more than a one-year deal. 
Um, and I think that that, you know, is what gave Utah pause perhaps. Right. And, and that flexibility obviously became very useful in their offseason makeover this year. So this is sure. one of those teams where they kept the powder dry and unlike, say, the Knicks or Dallas, like that actually worked out really well for them this year. Well, I, I think part of get, having a little bit more extra space allowed them to overpay Bogdanovich. So, I mean, but maybe they yeah. needed, maybe they needed to go. I mean, I'd rather have Bogdanovich than Bielitsev, obviously. So, I mean, the overall net there is, is probably there. So I, I moved them down from a C to a D plus just because the fa- favors helped them obviously last year, but now he's gone and they didn't get a lot for him there other than the year of value. And the XM contract is an overpay. I mean, it's an, it was negative value. It's I mean, if he was a part of the sticking point and this was not a part of my grade in the original Connolly negotiations, that would have been a pretty big mistake for the Jazz. And the, the you know, just not using the mid-level and needing a little bit more depth. So it wasn't a bad offseason. And I, I mean, you would say when you give a when team a D plus that it was, but I just, I, I do think that the opportunity costs there were a little bit bigger than you than you yeah so i guess you were lower on it initially uh, and got lower I, I stuck with the b uh you know they drafted grayson allen who i didn't think was that great but he apparently was part of considered partially positive value to go to memphis in that conley trade uh you know favors the flexibility to not only get him as a huge contributor this season but then to have him on the non-guarantee where he could either just be traded or release had they wanted to do that uh, to bring in uh, Bogdanovich with you know we'll see what what ends up happening with that contract but certainly he feels a, a very important need for them I agree with you on Exum I mean that that wasn't amazing obviously the fact that he got hurt but you know again that might have been kind of predictable uh he really didn't contribute I didn't like that they gave a guaranteed contract to Nyang he actually was pretty good and uh so he, he proved me wrong there although I'm not sure he's going to prove me wrong again. He actually, what after we did our analysis of the Conley trade, I said, "Hey, you know what? They they really don't have much uh, at stretch four now, other than Yang. Like they might need to upgrade there." And I think someone sent him that, and he tweeted at me like, "Oh, thanks for the motivation today." And uh, then they signed Bogdanovich and Jeff Green uh, to play above him. Uh, but you know, I hope he proves me wrong again. Uh, but uh, I thought that was kind of funny. And then. Uh, yeah, I think not using the MLE was kind of a bummer. And I don't know that signing, say, a Bielitsa would have put them over the top against Houston. Obviously, they struggled massively to make open shots in that series. And Corver was injured. And, you know, it is a bad matchup against Houston. But so is Bielitsa. So I don't know that there's anything they could have done that would have given them a different outcome other than just, you know, tank the end of the season a little bit better or, uh, you know, club Anthony Simons in the leg before the that last game of the season against Sacramento that got Portland that favorable bracket that they weren't trying to get. Uh, so, I mean, I think retaining favors and keeping the powder dry enough for this year, which they then were able to use in what seems like positive fashion, uh, made me stick with a B for them. Um, any news you want to hit here uh, real quickly? There's not a ton, but maybe we could do just a little bit. Well, one thing I want to mention is RJ Hampton. So he's playing in he's playing in Australia this coming year, and he did one of the benefits that you can get from not going to college, which is that he signed a shoe deal with Li Ning. They apparently structured it. Uh, Nick DePaula had some of the details on this that it it can escalate based on where he is drafted in 2020. So if he's a top 10 pick, then according to DePaula, it will be the richest shoe deal ever signed by a rookie to a Chinese shoe company. 
and the total value would be one of the higher ones comparatively in the 2019 draft. I think that's really interesting, and and getting some of that benefit right now is a huge reason why you know it's good. And and he locked it in. If he thinks those are favorable terms, if this year goes well, that's really good for R.J. Hampton. Speaking of sneakers, Zion Williamson joining Jordan Brand on a five-year deal, the richest annual rookie shoe deal in NBA history. Terms not disclosed, but according to Nick DePaula, Williamson had other offers in excess of $10 million per year annually. Generally, Nike, or in this case, Jordan, will get guys at a little bit of a discount from the upstart brands because guys just want to be a part of Nike and wear Nikes. Uh, I guess Zion didn't have too many hard feelings after a Nike shoe defect uh, caused him to suffer an MCL injury and, and, and miss part of his freshman season. But, I mean, this guy is just an absolute phenomenon. We saw just that summer league game. The crowd was, like, standing up just for his warm-ups. I mean, the place was totally sold out. He ended up, obviously, uh, having that truncated summer league, which was a real bummer. But I didn't have an understanding until I saw that of just what a phenomenon Zion is. And it seems like, you know, New Orleans, it's talk that they could be, like, close to selling out season tickets. And, like, they just had a top-five player on their team in Anthony Davis and... You know, maybe he just never excited fans the way Williamson apparently does. But like this guy is an absolute phenomenon and good for him to be able to get paid. Uh, What else we got here? Uh, A couple of contracts more on the margins of rosters. Trey Burke is going to the Philadelphia 76ers. So he and Hal Neto are battling for point guard minutes, which is interesting considering they were both jazz men at at other earlier points in their careers. And Philly also retained Furkan Korkmaz. He is on a two-year minimum deal. I don't know the the structure of the guarantees on that or like what what the deal of the second year is, but this is another player getting his option declined and returning to that team. We just talked about that in the offseason grades for the Golden State Warriors with Kavon. Looney and I'm happy that Quirk Maz is still going to be in the NBA he was an interesting guy most notably for me in 2018 summer league but the Sixers are yet again they're going to need some shooting and so he's a worthy a worthy option for that shooting yeah and I don't know how effective Trey Burke can be in the playoffs and his mid-range shooting did regress uh last season in Dallas but he fulfills a role on this team that they didn't have which is just pick and roll score uh that just wasn't available to them. So I think especially as a, a second unit guy, just someone to create a little bit off the dribble. Uh, that And especially, you know, Neto is a better defensive player, steadier, uh, but Burke provides a different element of just, you know, maybe getting hot on a given night and, and giving him some shooting, keeping the offense afloat when they go to the second grid and also being a good enough shooter that he can play off the ball, you know, perhaps with Ben Simmons at times uh, as well. Milwaukee uh, bringing Dragon Bender in on a two-year minimum deal. Don't really care for that considering they waive Christian Wood, who I think is probably better than him and certainly has has more potential. But Bender, you know, he still uh, has some potential in front of him. I mean, he's only been in the year in the league three years. He had his rookie option decline. Did not go back uh, to Phoenix, and he'll maybe have some chances in Milwaukee. Hopefully, they can get him some shooting confidence uh, as well. Maybe the thought is that. He could be a versatile defender alongside Giannis in some more malleable front courts. But, you know, I think he's got a lot of guys ahead of him. DJ Wilson is another one who uh, many would argue should be getting more time there. He's also got uh, Robin Lopez in front of him uh, as well. Uh, Bad news for the NBA cast. Players only is now going to be defunct. Uh, No players only broadcasts uh, on TNT, so... Uh, we still think we we could do a better job, at least for people who listen to this show on the NBA cast. But 
and then uh, Adam Silver said he expects to make changes a couple weeks ago at his summer league conference. That he expects to make some changes to the moratorium, whether it's to, with tampering stuff, which there have been a couple of articles on, uh, reducing the moratorium itself, uh, allowing teams to talk to players earlier uh, legally. He, his most strident theme has been, well, I don't want to have any rules on the books that we can't or won't enforce. And it seems like that clearly is the case at this point in time with the number of early reported deals. So we'll see what they try to do uh, there. Um, anything else to talk about here before we go? Uh, yeah, I recorded a Real Jam Radio with Ethan Sherwood-Strauss. It was a really fun conversation. We talked about title contenders. And then he and I, actually, because we didn't really interact too much at Summer League, we hadn't talked at all about the Warriors offseason. And so we had an extended D'Angelo Russell, hard cap, all that kind of conversation, too, which was pretty pretty fun, and talked about rule changes and all that kind of stuff. So that's available at Real Jam Radio. It came out on Friday. So that can be another thing for your weekend or next week listening enjoyment. All right, uh, we will be back uh, relatively soon here, I think. We've got a couple episodes planned for next week. And also uh, follow me at NateBDuncan on Instagram if you want to keep up uh, with this crazy long road trip that I'm on uh, with my wife. Talk to you all next time. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.